Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing? <laughs> okay, that's my family. Uh, my name is Temba. I am from Johannesburg in South Africa. I grew up in Zimbabwe. Any Zimbos in the house? Oh, come on. Hey, praise God. Amen. We're invading the UK one visitor at a time. So that's my wife, Amy. Um, we got married uh, uh, about 12 years ago. And, uh, and it's an interesting story because, as you can see, we're a little bit different. And uh, <laughs> we were friends for 10 years, like platonic friends, like just nothing going on. And um, she came across to help me with the church plant that we were doing in Johannesburg, and the scales fell from our eyes. <laughs> and, um, and I just wanted to say that because uh, for any of those... Those of you who are still trusting to find the one, there's hope for the friend zone. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we were told by the doctors um, that it was uh, unlikely that would fall pregnant. Uh, my wife had some health complications and she was told that if she didn't get married by the age of 25, she would not have kids at all. And um, so... Um, just before we got married, the doctors told us that, hey, you know, um, our strong recommendation to you is that um, when you get married, uh, that you just try from the beginning to fall pregnant. And I had like all these misgivings because, you know, I was single for a long time. Uh, we got married at 31 and 33. And I was like, no, no, I've got to make up for like lost, lost years. I don't have like, kids that mess things up. And, but if you know what I mean. So um, we were on this journey, and um, we get married, and uh, we start doing married things. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, I, I need to be careful. I don't know what translates in the UK culture, and you know, I thought I need to be polite in that, you know. Um, but apparently certain words are okay <laughs> this morning, but... Uh, <laughs> so um, three months... Into our marriage, we discover that we're expecting our firstborn, and a total miracle, and we have two miracle kids um, that we weren't supposed to make, and I say all of that to remind us that God is a God of the impossible. I don't know what medical declarations, what the doctors have told you, but I want to remind you that we serve a God who does the impossible. I don't know what you're standing in faith for, what you're believing God for, but I want to encourage you that God is more than able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything we can ever ask, think, or imagine. Amen. So these little kids, um, they love Jesus. Our firstborn is John David, and our daughter is Aaliyah, and uh, they are absolutely wonderful. Uh, they're not perfect. They're pastor's kids. Um, <laughs> I know all the rest of your kids are perfect, but I was... But, um, so they've been watching our lives, and they've been saying, you know, Mommy, Daddy, we want to do the stuff you do. You know, we don't want to just, like, have um, kiddie stuff. We want the real deal. So uh, we train evangelists, and we came back with all these stories of what God was doing out in South Africa and Durban and people were getting healed and so many people were getting saved, lives were being transformed. And they said, you didn't take us with you. We want to do the stuff. 
So we started training them. We said, okay, we'll start training you. So we started to share the gospel with them. This is how you share the gospel. This is what it's all about. And we use the simple bridge diagram. Some of you might know the bridge diagram, right? And uh, the bridge. And um, so we had this little diagram that we're showing them. And our kids um, started to understand it. They said, but when do we get to share the gospel? We don't want just to have training and training, church service after church service. We want to do the stuff. So we're like, okay, great. Um, and this is now two years ago. Um, at that stage, they were seven and nine. And we're like, okay, great. Um, so which of your friends do you want to reach out to? So they said, well, the friends in the neighborhood. So we got a list and we started to pray for the friends, right? Because prayer is powerful, amen? So we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And they were like, no, we don't want to just keep praying. We want to go out and share. So like, okay, okay, okay. And since uh, my wife is braver than I am, uh, she went out into the neighborhood and they shared the gospel. They identified two or three friends. By the end of um, that afternoon, nine of the kids in our little place where we stay gave their lives to the Lord. Now, something happens when we add action to our faith. Amen? Something happens. So the kids were like excited and they said, well, mommy, daddy, you, you run groups at home where you do Bible studies and that. We also want to run a Bible study. And we're like, okay, um, we don't know how this is going to work out, but, um, you know, mommy and daddy are professionals, you know, like we're like pastors and that. They're like, no, we want to do this. Jesus said that every believer can do this stuff. We want to do this stuff. We're like, okay, okay, all right, right. So beginning of last year, they started groups at their school. They started to lead more of their um, schoolmates to the Lord. And um, they had a one group each. Uh, my daughter, who's um, like any good younger sibling, um, she currently has three groups that she runs at school, my son, one group, and uh, just to see what happens in someone's faith when they put action to their faith. So this morning, I want to encourage you to put some action to your faith. Amen. So let me ask you five questions about the people in your world. Can we do that? So uh, if you like sermon titles, the title of this sermon is a question. Actually, five questions. Amen. Father, I thank you for your presence here, and as we unpack your word, Lord, I thank you that it goes down deep and bears much fruit in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so five questions about the people in your world. I want to start to encourage you to think differently about the people you encounter every single day, your family, your friends, your acquaintances, your workmates. I want to ask you to start to put on the lens of heaven when you think about your world. Is that all right? Join me in Acts chapter 9, because in Acts chapter 9, we read the story of an incredible transformation story of the apostle, what became the apostle Paul coming to faith. At this time, he, he's, he's a no-name brand, um, persecutor of the church. He's known as Saul. And God taps this guy on the shoulder in an incredible way. And we're going to unpack this story and just learn a little bit about the people in our world. Okay, Acts chapter... Is there a problem with my accent? Acts chapter... Well, there we go. Amen. Acts chapter 9 verse 1. So the first question I want to ask you about the people in your world is who's ready? Who's ready in your world? 
Often we walk past people, we prejudge people, but we never stop to ponder who's ready for the gospel. Who's ready to receive Jesus now in my world? Amen? You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 4, verse 35. He said, lift up your eyes because the harvest is ripe. It's wide unto harvest. Lift up your eyes. It's ready now. Don't say a few more months and then the harvest because the harvest is ready now. So we've got to start to cultivate an attitude of faith about our world that God has people who are ready now. Not just in Africa, amen, but right here in London, amen. God has people who are receptive and ready for the gospel. So who's ready in your world? So the Apostle Paul, who starts off as Saul in this story, let's see if we bumped into him, would we have thought that he was a candidate for salvation? Acts chapter 9 verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priests and asked them for letters from them to the, for the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any who were of the way, who were Christians, who were believers, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he's on this journey to go and persecute believers. Verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and he didn't eat or drink. So here's, here's a fascinating story, and we see Saul starting off as a persecutor, a murderer. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was looking for a candidate for salvation, if I was looking for someone who was heaven's most wanted, he would not fit in that category. Amen? I would be looking for what we call low-hanging fruits. Amen? I'd be looking for a little soft target. Amen? But that's not how God perceives the world around us. Now, we, some, we see something incredible in this story. While he's still angry with the church, while he still hates Christianity, at this very time he has an encounter with the living God. The Methodists like to call this prevenient grace. It's the grace of God that goes before us. It's the grace of God that reaches into our circumstances, irregardless of what we do. It's how God encounters us. Amen. You know, the Bible promises this, and this is what it says. It says that the Spirit of God strives with people. In fact, it says that the Spirit of God will not strive with people forever. So we can have an expectation that God is already at work in people's lives. Before we get there, before we say a word, God is already at work. Amen. I love this sister's story about her husband. God is already at work. Amen. 
And as we pray, we believe in God and we're partnering with God in what He's already doing. Amen. We don't bring God onto the scene. God is already there. God's already at work in people's lives. So this gentleman here, he looks quite all right. Amen. He's uh, actually a local from the UK. And last week in our congregation in Johannesburg, he told his testimony. Five years ago, he was a soccer hooligan. Yeah, 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 yeah. The old school type. And, uh, and he had 500 men who were under him. And he would organize fights at the soccer games, before the game, during the game, and after the game. And if I was looking for a candidate of salvation, Neil would not be top of my list. Amen? But here's something that happened. In fact, something that he shared with us is that he also didn't like people who were of a different skin color to himself. He was a member of the EDL. And as he was uh, sharing his testimony, I said, okay, what is that? (laughs) We don't have the EDL in South Africa. What is that? And he said, no, the English Defense League. And, and they were ultra racist. And I was like, you know, I was on the stage with him, so I moved like <laughs> out of harm's way. But five years ago, God encountered him. In fact, the first time someone tried to share the gospel with him, he had a demonic manifestation. He was shouting and screaming and threatened to kill the person. Not a great introduction, right? The next time the person went to share the gospel with him, he gave his life to the Lord. Wow. And you can say that backwards. Wow. (laughs) So who's ready in your world? When you're looking at the people in your life, who is ready? So the Barner Report tells us the following. Now, Barner did a research project in the UK, and this is what they say about the people in the UK. They say one in five people in the UK remain open to find out more about Jesus. And they also say this, or to have an experience of Jesus Christ. One in five people. Now, what's the population of the UK? Someone help me here. 60 million. Okay, so one in five is how many? Hey, 12 million people are open to hearing more about Jesus Christ and experiencing and encountering him. One in five people, not in Africa, right here in the UK. Amen. Who's ready in your world? Who's ready in your world? And God wants to stir up a new faith inside of us. Now, I know some of you are really good at mathematics and you're figuring out, okay, but that means like four in five are closed. (laughs) And I don't want to be the one to go and speak to one of those four and five, right? How many of you have ever played rugby? Okay. Whoa, okay, two of us. All right. Um, and I know you guys are still healing from, um, you know, the World Cup and everything. Um, don't worry, we'll have a healing line. I think. <laughs> Cricket. <laughs> no, we only watch rugby. And, <laughs> but I want to say this. In the game of rugby... Um, you've always got defenders. And when you get the ball, you don't count the number of defenders and go, oh, there are too many, and you put the ball down. 
No one does that, right? Uh, why do they keep running and running against the defenses of the opposition team? Because they know that eventually those defenses will weaken and you'll be able to score a try. Amen. And the value of a try is more important than the amount of times you're going to get tackled, the amount of times you're going to get hit, because you value the try. Amen. In exactly the same way, we value people getting saved. We value people encountering Jesus. And we're willing to go through the four to find the one. Amen. We're willing to go through the four. Do I hear an amen? amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the second question I want to ask you this morning. And it's simply this. What is God inviting you to do about these people? So, we pick up the story here in verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus. His name, Ananias. You know, the word Ananias is an interesting word. It's derived from a Hebrew word that means uh, that God has favored you. God has favored you. How many of you believe that God has favored you? Amen. You know, someone quoted so brilliantly. I think it was, uh, was it Dorcas who said, you know, like, God, we are blessed and highly favored, right? And it's all awesome to believe that you're favored for promotion in your workplace, for things to go well in your life. But do you know that you are favored with people? The Bible says Jesus grew in stature, wisdom, and favor with, with people and God. So we are also called to grow in favor with people. Amen. And God wants you to wake up to the fact that every single one of us has got favor with people. So the word Ananias, he was busy doing his charismatic can-can. And then the Lord speaks to him in a vision and says this, Ananias. And said, here I am, Lord. Isn't it wonderful when you have an encounter with the Lord and you're basking in the great worship that we had this morning and you're enjoying the presence of God and God says, oh, my son, my daughter, oh, Jesus, here I am. Oh, oh, you know, it's so wonderful, Lord. And, and then uh, he carries on speaking. <laughs> so the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas. For one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he, see, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias replied like you and me, right? And he says, uh, Lord, <laughs> I've heard from many people about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And so he starts to make excuses because he sees how fierce and ferocious this person in their world is, right? And how often do we do that? We see a person in our world and we start to get a nudging. We start to feel the Holy Spirit prodding and leading us and saying, go and speak to that person. We come up with a litany of excuses of why it can't be done. I would have said to the Lord, that Lord, no, 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 you saw someone else laying their hand on them. And since I'm in this posture of intercession, Father, I, I will pray. 
unto thee for, for my dear sister or brother to go and layeth their hand upon thee. Amen. And in that moment, they'll be great. Things. Oh, Lord, this is a hallelujah. Here I, here I am, Lord, send someone else. And if the conviction gets really heavy, I'll say, okay, here I am, Lord. Okay, okay, Lord, I will pay for someone else to go. Just show me who I will write a big check. I don't mind, Lord. But the Lord said, Ananias. He has seen Ananias. He has seen you. So what's God inviting you to do in your world? He's inviting you to do something about the lost people in your world. That's what he's inviting every single one of us. We are the solution. We are the answer. It's not another Billy Graham crusade. Because there won't be another Billy Graham crusade. He's gone to be with the Lord. <laughs> it won't be another great Reynard Bonke gospel crusade. Because Reynard Bonke <laughs> has gone to be with the Lord. So who's God waiting on? God's waiting on you and me. But the Lord said to him, after all these excuses, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine, to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And I imagine while, while, while Paul is in this, sorry, while Ananias is wrestling, and then he hears the word that he will suffer, Maybe that's why he went, right? Maybe he heard like, no, 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 this guy's going to suffer. And, and he thought like, yeah, I'm going to be the one to go and tell Paul, you know, you've been a bad boy. And because you've been such a bad boy, you're going to suffer. Yeah, how about that? So Ananias does something radical. You know, we all need an Ananias in our lives. Um, this guy here on the next slide was uh, my Ananias at university as a first-year student, Tanasilan Global Sami, <laughs> befriended me. We were in class together studying commerce at Rhodes University, and, uh, and he started to tell me his life story. He told me, you know, Temba, um, we weren't always Christians. And at that time in my life, I was a backslidden Christian. I was trying to, you know... Um, Expand my testimony. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, he, and he started chatting to me and he said, you know, Temba, we weren't always Christians. We, we grew up as a Hindu family. My dad was sick. In fact, the doctors hadn't given him long to live because his kidneys had failed. And uh, some friends invited us to church. We went to this church service and they asked for healing. My father went forward, was prayed for. And at that moment was instantaneously healed. All pain left. And as a family, we all gave our lives to the Lord in that moment. And I was like, wow, Selen, you mean God is alive and real? He's still doing miracles today? And then he'll tell me other things. He'll say, you know, Temba, you, you see me playing the keyboard. Oh, I didn't know you played the keyboard. Yeah. Well, this is how it happened. So at this church we're going to, um, the keyboardist was leaving to go to America. And no one in the church knew how to play the keyboard. So the pastor said, okay, who would like to learn how to play the keyboard supernaturally? And he looked around. No one was putting up their hands. And he said, yeah, sure, why not? So he came forward to the front of the church, was prayed for, 
and the next Sunday was playing the keyboard in church. And I was like, what? Like, like you are now. I was like, what? You know, like, and he'll tell me these stories that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still for today. That people still pray in tongues, that we can trust and rely on the word of God. And, and, he, and he started to pass me music. And, and I listened to the words on, the, on, this, on, on these CDs and, and my heart would come alive. And I was like, something is happening here. We all need an Ananias in our lives. Amen. And I believe God wants you to be an Ananias to the people in your world. Amen. So, what then happens? Ananias does something amazing. Verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. You, you know, something happens when our faith turns into action. So the Bible says he went. Uh, you know, you can think about these people in your world, but God wants you to went. Yeah. Amen. When's the last time you went? When's the last time you actually said, I'm going to go and do something about this? Amen. God wants you to went. Ananias went. Amen. So there are a couple of steps, and this really is a, the third question. How can you partner with God in reaching the people in your world? Number one, went. Oh, hang on. Warfare. <laughs> but number two, went. <laughs> number two is he went. But number one, warfare. It's interesting that in order to reach his world, um, Ananias needed to pray about his world. And in that place of prayer, he encountered God and God said, go. We need to start praying about the people in our world, right? And as we pray with God, God rocks up and does incredible things. Amen. Number two is that he went. Yeah, there we go. Finally. Finally he went. How many of you can, can walk here? How many of you can walk? Hey, hallelujah. Look at that. I believe we can have a wenting revival, you know? Amen. So the Bridge Church will be famous for what? The wenting revival. You know, there was the church that decided to do something and go. Amen. And as we go, God shows up. There's something supernatural about going, just rocking up and seeing what God will do. I love the fact the Bible, verse 70 says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house. If it was me, I'd be doing laps around the house. You know, like, <laughs> I'm sure they're not here. <laughs> Lord, the bad idea. I'm on the street, like you said, but they're not in. But he entered the house. Amen. And that's a boldness of faith that comes. So as we go, we need to take that step to cross the line of faith. Amen. Of boldness. Whatever is that obstacle, we need to be willing to cross it and say, okay, I'm here now. Maybe it's the threshold of your boss's office that you need to cross and say, I'm here now. Maybe it's your friend's house that you need to go and visit. Take someone roses. You need to go and... <laughs> Number three, Ananias um, goes to the house and the Bible says this. He entered the house and laying his hand on him, he said, Brother Saul. Now it's interesting that he laid his hand on him. He didn't come angry, screaming, shouting. He welcomed him. He had a warmth that he generated towards this guy. When we go and engage the people in our world, do we generate warmth? Do we welcome them? And the word welcome means to admit. In fact, in Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says that the sinners and, and tax collectors were around Jesus. And when the Pharisees and the scribes saw this, they were, they were like dumbfounded. They said, like, what on earth is going on here? And this is what the accusation was. They said, look at Jesus. 
He welcomes sinners and tax collectors. He welcomes. You know, what would happen if we were a church that was known for our welcome? known for the warmth that we generate to people who are far from God, different to us, don't believe the same as we do, what would happen if we were known for our warmth? Amen? So the next thing we see is that he generates this warmth towards Paul. And then the next thing out of his, word, out of his mouth were words. Our words are powerful. Do you know your words are powerful? Your words are powerful. So he starts off and he says, Brother Saul. Now, he wasn't a brother in that moment. He hadn't done any Christian mouths, nothing. He was, not, he was not a Christian. And he says, brother Saul. Why does he say brother? He's prophesying. He's prophesying a new reality. He's saying, I'm for you, I'm not against you. What would happen if we used our words to build bridges with the people in our world? You know, and then he starts to do something else with his words. Because, you know, when we start to encourage people, when we start to strengthen people, when we start to comfort people, the Bible says that we enter into this realm called prophecy. Where we start to hear the words of God for someone else and he starts to say, this is what God is going to do in your life. God is going to do something in your life. God's going to bless you. God's going to change you. God's going to show you what's going to happen. In fact, God's got a blessing for you right now. He uses his words to declare a new future in his life. Amen. And when we're hearing God's words, when we're hearing God's heart for people, it changes an atmosphere. It changes an environment. You know, we have um, in the Bible what is called words of knowledge. And a word of knowledge is where God gives you supernatural knowledge about something that you didn't know. He can give you a word of knowledge about a problem in your car. Did you know that? He can give you a word of knowledge about a problem in your workplace. He can give you a word of knowledge about um, something that's going to happen that you've got no way naturally of knowing. God can show you conditions in people's bodies before they are even aware of them. You can have a word of knowledge, supernatural knowledge, revelation from God about a condition or circumstance. A word of knowledge. You know, I was at a meeting last year and I had a word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge was like, does anyone here in this meeting struggle with running? Running. Any hindrance to running? So about... Uh, 12, 15 people stood up. I was like, hallelujah, we're going to pray for you all. God's going to rock up. You know, it's easy to preach these things. Yeah, God's going to rock up. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, we prayed for everyone. I said, okay, now we're going to test it. Okay. You know, like, you know, test out. See if you can, like, run now, you know. And um, choose Bob. Like, 90% of the people said that we have to go and run for over five kilometers in order to figure out if we're healed or not. And I said, seriously? So like now, you know, I got preaching desperate. You know, when preachers get desperate, like, okay, Lord, you got to show up. And there was a guy standing there. I said, okay, what about you? Can you run now? And the guy goes, no, no, I've got a heart condition. And, um, and, and I'll only be able to tell if I'm healed if I go and get tests. And I'm like, oh, boy, this thing's going south real quick. So I said, okay, everyone turn around. And, you know, I felt the Lord wanted to do something. We prayed for him, but he couldn't tell if he was healed. Then right at the back, uh, there was a lady, and this is what I said. I said, okay, now who here, please, I'm begging you, who can tell now that you weren't able to run before this meeting, but you'll be able to tell now? And there was a lady right at the back. So I ran to the back. Yeah, uh, I, was, I was even bigger than I am now. So it was like a slow run, like slow motion, like, you know. And <laughs> I ran right to the back. I said, okay. And the lady stepped out. 
and she had like a moon boots. Do you guys do moon boots here? So she had a moon boot on her leg, and I was like, oh dear, oh Lord, you better rock up now. <laughs> Where are you? And I said, okay, let's take off the moon boot. And she's like, no, no, my, my ankle is, is like, is, is, uh, my ligaments are torn. And uh, the support is there because of the pain. And I said, oh, but we've prayed. Let's believe God. Can you, are you willing to do that? And I said, okay. So she takes off the cast and she starts to walk gingerly on it. And I'm like, okay, this is looking promising. And I said, okay, um, do you want to try and walk? Are you in pain? She said, like, I'm not in pain. I said, do you want to try and, and, and run? And she's like, okay. And then she runs from the back all the way to the front. And, and I'm following slow motion. And <laughs> we get to the front and, and I'm like, what's God just done? Isn't it a miracle? Isn't it amazing? And she looks at me and she says, um, yeah, but I need to see my doctor to figure out if I'm really healed or not. I'm like, oh man, this meeting's going south real quick. So anyway, <laughs> she's healed, but in doubt <laughs> as to what's going on. And after the service, we saw an outbreak of healing, people running around the building with like knees healed, ankles healed, and all sorts. And I was like, wow, God, you are so good. Yeah. Even better, we get a report from the guy with the heart condition. And this is the report. The report is that um, he went back, checked with the doctor. He'd had the condition for, I think it was, uh, he was uh, 19 years old, and he'd had it um, since he was uh, 11, I believe. Heart condition. Couldn't run, couldn't exercise. Goes to the doctor, clean bill of health. His heart is perfect. Now, it gets even better. So the stuff he couldn't eat, like chocolate. So the guy goes to the candy store and he is stuffing himself with every kind of chocolate he's seen his friends eating for years. You know, it's like, I want to taste this. I want to taste that. I want to taste it. It was so funny. But when God moves, he moves. Amen. So maybe God's going to give you words of healing. So here, Ananias shares what he heard the Lord say while he was praying. He says that I'm going to lay hands on you and you're going to receive your sight. I believe God wants to heal some people this morning. Amen. Mm-hmm. Because the next one is wonders. God works in wonders. Amen. So we see the story here, Ananias. How am I doing for time? Okay, I've got to land this plane. Immediately. Everyone say immediately. They fell from his eyes, something like scales. And he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. I love this. Immediately. Sometimes we stop believing God for immediately. Amen? At our church the other week, um, I love activating people in healing. Um, to step out and see people healed. Especially people who have never seen that before. Who has never seen someone healed before? Oh, look at you. All have seen someone healed before. That's amazing. That is amazing. Amen? Oh, who's like not going to put their hands up if I like ask? <laughs> like, this is British politeness. That's amazing. That is amazing. So can we activate you guys to do something very quickly? Okay. I want you to think about your world. Who needs healing in your world? Who needs healing in your world? And I want you to, oh, is there someone who needs healing here? Awesome. We'll pray for them. Hang on a sec. So I want you to think specifically about people in your world. And this is what I heard the Lord asking me to do. 
is people in your world who need healing today. They might not be in this meeting, but they need healing. So I want you to take out your phone. We're going to send them a message, a healing message. Can we do that? I want you to take out your phone quickly. Father, we bind Facebook, Instagram, and all those other distractions. Amen. (laughs) I want you to take out your phone. And this is what I feel the Lord wants us to do. I want you to send this message to the person. And it doesn't have to be these words. It's not the words. Okay? I want you to tell them that you're thinking of them, that God loves them, and that you're praying that they get healed. And name from what you want them to get healed from. The condition. So I'm praying that you get healed from this thing in Jesus' name. Love, and then you put your name. Okay? Just very simple. Very simple. Okay? Have you all typed your message? You all typed your message? And we're going to have an opportunity to pray for people straight after the service. I know there's a lady who needs prayer over there. Pray for her straight after the service. Amen. So here we go. Are you ready with your message? Because I want to pray quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who works wonders. You're not just a way maker in songs. You're a way maker in reality. You move in miraculous power. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak healing over every single one of these conditions. And Father, I pray, Lord, as the person receives this, faith will spark in their heart. Father, even beyond their faith, that you would rush, Holy Spirit, and touch their bodies. Heal these conditions in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke every spirit of infirmity and command you to leave these men, women, and children in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father God. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. It's interesting, the next thing, that he does, is that he does this, and uh, this will be our last one. The last thing that he does is, is um, they give him food. <laughs> they give Saul food. Why? Because he was hungry. <laughs> and you know, sometimes the good works that we do in people's lives actually change lives. The practical things that we do. The Bible says he ate and was strengthened. Sometimes we think that, okay, the miracles happen. Okay, you know, I've shared the gospel with this person. But something supernatural happens when we just show practical love. Practical love. And through our works, God encounters and impacts people. Now, when Paul is retelling this story in Acts chapter 22, he says, when Ananias came into the house, he said to me, why are you delaying? Let's go get baptized. We're going to wash away your sins, and you're going to raise up anew. There's something that happens inside of us when someone joins the dots for us in our life, between our questions with God and the answers we so desperately seek. And I believe God wants to send you out to be there Ananias in the lives of the people in your world. Amen? So let's pray.